0: Funding for Smart Talk is provided by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. Serving the community for over 75 years, Capital Blue Cross is behind you for whatever lies ahead. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by Pinnacle Health, committed to reducing hospital-acquired infections and readmission rates. More information on Pinnacle Health's achievements in patient safety can be found at PinnacleHealth.org quality.
1: Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. The narrative surrounding the retail climate has been grim recently. Major brand name retailers like Sears, JCPenney, and Macy's will have closed 456 stores collectively by year's end. Clothing chains have been particularly hard hit, with national chains including Abercrombie and Fitch, The Limited, and American Apparel closing hundreds of locations. Competition from retail powerhouses like Walmart and Target, and of course, Avaton, the retail machine, have been dealt have dealt devastating blows to traditional brick-and-mortar retailers. Despite this, and perhaps supported by shifting consumer habits, there are promising stories of success among area retailers. The Renaissance Road Project will open up 80,000 square feet of retail space with mixed-use residential development in Steelton. An explosion of tourism in York County is encouraging economic growth in York's downtown corridor. Retail growth is happening so rapidly in Lancaster County with the addition of Wegmans, Whole Foods, and Dick's Sporting Goods that residents are actually concerned. Joining us to discuss the state of retail in the Central Pennsylvania region are Brian Ryder, President and CEO of the Pennsylvania Retail Association, Kevin Schreiber, President of the York County Economic Alliance, and Michael Kushner, owner of Omni Realty Group and a commercial real estate analyst. Gentlemen, welcome to the program.
2: Good morning. Good to be with you.
1: Thank you, Scott. We'd like to hear from you as well, one eight hundred seven two nine seven five three two, 729 7532 or send an email to SmartTalk at org. Actually, a little bit later in the program, I'm going to ask some of our listeners to tell some stories of maybe some stores that you shopped in uh, as you were growing up, or uh, in years past that you miss or you know maybe some questions like why do you go to brick and mortar stores why do you uh, what is the shopping experience that is best for you and those who have shopped online who are shopping online mm-hmm. why do you shop online now today we we have a lot of other questions as well for you to uh, answer one 800 brian Ryder let me start with you what's
3: behind the closing of so many of these retailers well, scott it, it it is competition and co- and consumers are demanding convenience lower prices and the industry must compete with this whether you're an independent brick and mortar store you're a mid-size or you're a large regional national brick and mortar stores who the majority of them all sell online also in effort to compete with the numerous online sellers but it again, it, a lot of it has come back to convenience, where so many customers, and I'm not a big online shopper. I, I, I that's like, not a surprise. I, I <laughs> like to be I like to be in a brick and mortar stores, and 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 see merchandise, feel merchandise, try things on. But stores continue to evolve. The bricks and mortars could compete with the online competition. Some have done better than others, but it it is you know sad and disheartening to see growing up in the South Central Pennsylvania area and and still being here to see some of these bricks-and-mortar stores closing but again it's also from about controlling your cost and it's just not cost-effective to have unprofitable stores continue to stay open and Kevin Now, being the president of economic development in your county, I think, echo that, that you have have to minimize, you know, your expenses and maximize your profits. And that is what has led to a lot of the closings of these stores.
1: Well, before I get to Kevin, let me ask you this, you said convenience and price. That's been, you know, the, the goals. That's been a priority of uh, shoppers forever. It seems as though convenience and and uh, price. So what's changed? I mean, obviously technology has changed a lot
3: of it, but not just technology. Tech, but technology, Scott, has changed greatly. Changed the convenience for consumers. I mean, I've talked to people who shop online a fair amount, more than they do in bricks and mortar stores, and I hear from the large majority of them that it's not anymore about price. It's the convenience, that it's Saturday morning, I can get in front of my computer screen, and regardless of what retailer or what merchandise I am looking to purchase, I can do it from home. I can have it delivered in 24 to 48 hours, and... If it's not the right size not the right color a lot of times I get free return shipping and so much of it has become about convenience that's why I'm not sure and I don't represent the grocery stores now we do represent Walmart and Target which right. are large sellers of grocery products mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania but with Amazon's announcement of their attempt to purchase Whole Foods I'm not sure how well that will go over because unless you're buying specialty items in a grocery store you want to go in and see what you're buying food wise and so i'm just not sure that this will have the negative impact upon the grocery store industry that some analysts have predicted. Mm-hmm. Kevin Schreiber,
1: um, let me turn to you and just follow up on what Brian just had to say. Uh, so, that convenience and price, how do retailers compete with that?
2: I think you're seeing the evolution, as as Brian had noted, um, of the department stores and the shopping malls. You know, in many ways, uh, you know, consumer habits are kind of cyclical. And and it's funny. I'm thinking the whole time you're talking, Brian. I'm thinking of my wife. My wife <laughs> is an online purchaser. It's nice I that mean, you think about your wife constantly. constantly yeah, I, when they come on this radio. I know, program, right? Yeah. Ha- hashtag I love Jenny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that got me brownie points forever, <laughs> right there, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you um, but uh, you know, she she is that uh, a typical shopper online because of the convenience, and I think you're seeing the evolution in that, you know, obviously the shopping malls and the big box department stores are going through exactly what you just talked, but then conversely, our downtowns are having a resurgence of the storefronts, the boutiques, the independents. So while I think consumers, their their shopping patterns are evolving and they still want, you know, efficiency, convenience, and, and affordable pricing, uh, from the department stores or the shopping malls or the national brands, I think they're going back to the downtown storefronts for the independent authenticity for the made in you know the the by local uh, movement. so it's an interesting dichotomy where you know fifty years ago we saw the rise of suburbanization in the mm-hmm. suburban shopping mall and the department store and now you're starting to see uh, a return back to those small downtown brick and mortars. so, it, it's interesting, and I think uh, I think Amazon buying Whole Foods is a canary in the coal mine to some degree in that it, it will continue to evolve and our shopping habits are going to continue to slant towards more convenience and, and uh, you know, the, the ability to open up your phone and, and make your order and it arrives at some point by a drone uh, to your doorstep that day.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's the whole, the next thing, with Amazon
2: talking about drones in, in delivery. There's a, re- and just I mean, there's a reason why you're seeing distribution centers, you know, pop up uh, across the mid-Atlantic and across the Northeast, and that's to satisfy that Northeast market.
1: Mm-hmm. But, Go ahead. But, say,
3: but Kevin mentions distribution centers, and you look at the number of regional and national retailers, that have distribution centers in Pennsylvania. Oh, without a doubt. oh and here
1: in South Central Pennsylvania. Oh, in, mm-hmm. in
3: South Central Pennsylvania, and, and they provide thousands of good-paying right. full-time jobs without for people. Doubt. And it's something that that we hope that the industry continues to look at Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. placing these distribution centers here, whether it's getting their products into the store or shipping online.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Amazon for one is one that you know has opened up a number of distribution centers. Five in Central Pennsylvania—is uh-huh. that what it is? Throughout the state, throughout the state. I was going to say, I know. I often hear about them hiring. That they, they often are saying, you know, here's a good, here are good-paying jobs. Just something to throw along here. I, I, I was going
4: to say one minute, Brian. That that's a great comment, and and you sound like a commercial real estate broker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll talk
4: about that in just a second.
1: But just to show you what Amazon has done. Amazon is worth $410 billion. That's almost twice as much as Walmart, the nation's largest retailer, just to show how Amazon has grown. Michael Kushner, let's talk about this, That uh, when you are talking about the commercial real estate uh, industry. Uh, and this is something that, again, there have been a lot of negatives over in, in, as far as news over the last mm-hmm. few years. But I want to go back a little bit. Kevin mentioned uh, suburbanization like 50 years ago. I think back to... years ago when uh, I grew up going to uh, downtown Main Street America that's where you shopped on a Friday night Saturday morning family went down you did everything Uh, grocery shopping shopping for clothing uh, you know you got a a bite to eat at a restaurant whatever things changed then shopping malls in the early 70s became the big thing didn't have to worry about parking. Uh, you were in a climate-controlled area. If it was hot outside, didn't matter. If it was cold, it didn't matter. Um, and you know that became gathering places for people. You know, like we, you know, we joke about people who would uh, you know just meet at the mall every day and have breakfast and talk or walk the mall. Teenagers, you know, I'm, I'm painting a picture here of America in the 1970s. But in the last few years, shopping malls, commercial. Uh, space has really taken it on the chin in some areas. Why?
4: Well, statistically, um, Scott, things have not changed as much as you would think. At least here in central Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. our vacancy rate here in retail is only 4.4%, which is very, very low, and has not has actually gone down. If you look at the statistics, so what I think what you have here is supply is constrained. We're not building as much as we used to. And we are seeing some changes in these malls, and what you're seeing is other users come into some of these malls like healthcare, and they'll eat up some space. And you're seeing maybe even education, higher education, go into some malls in certain places. So you're seeing a a turnover or a disruption there, and um, even some new retailers have come in. If you look at the Kmart in um, Hampton Township. No, you see be, yeah, um, cover That's correct. Mm-hmm. You'll see a couple new retailers that weren't in the area, have occupied there, for example, home goods and Steinmart. And so I think, it's, again, it's a disruption. it's a change in the industry. People have to evolve. Uh, one of the buzzwords is experiential. So you're starting to see some retailers evolve in that way, where they're going to do in-store demonstrations, or they'll do live music in their stores. So I think it's all about evolving. Um, Radio Shack was not able to evolve, and some of these other retailers are slow to evolve. So they'll be replaced. Um, what you talk about back in time, though, is America was in love with the automobile. That helped to um, fuel the growth of these suburban shopping centers. Mm-hmm. And what you're seeing now is a change. You know, you're going to come into driverless vehicles, and people won't um, like to be online and like to shop online and don't don't. It's just a change in the way we we you know we shop and the way we live our lives. But there are examples,
1: though. Rockville outlets in Lancaster, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from all appearances as a shopper, I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard, I've heard people say, oh, I'm going to Rockville. You know, there's mm-hmm. Eagle's End Zone. There's all, you know, so many outlets, I can yeah. get some bargains. Not all outlet malls or outlet stores, you can get bargains, but you can at, at, mm-hmm. at Rockville. So I was surprised to hear that... Uh, they're going to be up for auction uh, later this year. What happened in a situation like that?
4: Yeah, again, um, it, it's all about the numbers, and they're just not doing the sales volumes that they were doing in the past. So, again, you'll you'll have these changes and disruptions.
3: And, and a lot of it, Scott, also is about how the bricks-and-mortar stores have evolved and mm-hmm. changed their advertising. To be more aggressive and being more direct to consumers, so they're understanding, you know, we're not having 50 sales this week. We're having one or two, and this is where you will save your money. And you mentioned Rockville Outlet, which you know, those outlets, you know, have have been an icon for decades in Lancaster County. But you talk about malls, look, you know, look at Park City Mall, one of the most thriving malls in South Central Pennsylvania, and. Again, it's it's about evolving and knowing what the consumer wants. Best Buy has done a very good turnaround uh, with competing with online sales because they had to. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And I keep hearing, hearing this word evolve. Why didn't the Sears, why didn't the Kmart's, why didn't the JCPenney? I know JCPenney, for one, tried something revolutionary a couple of years ago, and it just failed
3: miserably. But, uh, but why didn't they evolve? Well, first of all, JCPenney has done a major turnaround.
1: Well, they have. They, but they, a couple they really years, have, they, yeah. they have a long way to come right. back,
3: though. But but it, you know it, it 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 goes from the top down to decisions that are made in appealing to the consumer, and encouraging those you know that individual to com- physically come into your store, and the products that you're selling and the price.
1: Yeah, they got rid of uh, coupons at uh, J.P. Uh, J.P. Penny's, or JCPenney's and uh, a few other things that apparently consumers, they found out the hard way, that consumers did not like. Um, one thing, and I'm going to bring in a, a, an actually a real retailer here in just a minute, uh, but I saw a figure this morning talking about, and basically the, the gist of the story I saw, was that we have too much retail space in this country, and it compared the United States to Europe and Japan square footage wise retail wise we have six times as much square footage for retail as they do in Europe and Japan Uh, so Michael Kushner let me ask you about that Mm. Um, are there too many out there I mean it seems like we're constantly building shopping centers maybe not as many malls but shopping centers and strip malls that that kind of thing seems like we're really building a lot
4: well over the last couple of years, growth has been constrained. So I, I don't think we're building like we used to. But you make a good point about the statistics. And do we is our population per square foot too great in this country? Um, I think you really have to look at individual areas and really break down the break down those statistics. Now there are areas in central Pennsylvania that are growing very rapidly. You look at um, Cumberland County, mm-hmm. tremendous growth. Um, but you look at Adams County very slow growth. So I think you have to really analyze the particular area, and it's hard to do blanket statements uh, to cover parts of the country. You're seeing a lot of um, growth in the south, the southeast, the southwest. Mm-hmm. And so there you'll probably have more retail develop because you're having population growth. Pennsylvania is pretty much a slow-growth state, so we're probably not going to see as much retail development. How much
1: research goes into... Uh, where to put a a, a store, a retail store.
4: Tremendous amount of research. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I utilize CoStar, which is probably the number one um, aggregator of market data. And um, they've got thousands and thousands of people that are constantly calling landlords, owners, real estate investors to check vacancy and check occupancy and to try and keep a pulse on the market. But there's a tremendous amount of research that goes into that because of the, such of the high cost of development, especially here in Pennsylvania.
3: You know, and, and I think Kevin could could add to this. I've had numerous people ask me in the last six, seven months since Dick Sporting Goods is opening a location at the old Sears store at Capital City Mall, mm-hmm. and they said, "Well, why why would Dick Sporting Goods do that with having a location in Hampton Township?" Mm-hmm just miles away from Lower Allen Township, but they've done their logistics work, like Mike has said, a lot of market research. They're not going to pour millions of dollars into constructing and opening a new store location if they don't feel that they can draw the customers from different areas.
2: I mean, it's interesting. I think, Michael, you hit on a point about the experiential side of it. And that's what you're seeing, the competition in shopping malls uh, to become more experiential, to go from the inside out. And you're, you've seen that in Park City, the West Manchester Town Center in, in York has basically flipped it. And now, you know, there's more storefronts and it promotes walkability and there's more activity on the, on the street. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting, but in many ways, Scott, we're still a very parochial society and we still have a keeping up with the Joneses. So you know, if, if one community has a Dix go in, you know, they're still going to want mm-hmm. one in another community next door. Um, you know, it may not make the most sense from a practical proximity perspective that you can still get there within a, a, a short commute. But that's on the local side. On the national side, these stores are putting heavy amounts of data uh, and and research into where they're locating. But you're seeing it. We were having a little sidebar before we uh, came on online here about um, fast food and just seeing the you know kind of the fast food industry change dramatically. Um, far fewer standalone fast food centers. Um, even seeing many of those old. Burger Kings and whatnot kind of convert over to, to independent diners and but now you're also seeing the strip centers being developed with a series of fast food options whether it's the Artisanal pizza, or the um, noodles and company, or the chipotles and, and things of like that. So you're even seeing consumer tastes uh, literally uh, change, and uh, and and along the lines is is the spatial needs. I want to talk about something you brought up
1: earlier in just a few minutes when you talked to the, Kevin about the downtowns and people coming downtown again. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR news and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar.
0: Smart Talk is supported by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by the Pinnacle Health Cardiovascular Institute's team of cardiologists, surgeons, nurses, physicians' assistants, and rehabilitation specialists, delivering a broad range of traditional and highly specialized procedures.
1: Welcome back to Smart Talk. We're talking about retail here in central Pennsylvania what's working, what's not working, the changes that uh, shoppers shoppers are making with their, their shopping habits. And we'd like to hear from you if uh, you want to weigh in on how you have changed your shopping habits, or maybe you haven't. Uh, what do you prefer, retail, online? Uh, what brings you to a brick-and-mortar store? Yeah, I'll get these words out yet. Uh, maybe um, you would like to talk about uh, some stores that you miss that are no longer in business. Give us a call, 1-800-729-7532 to send an email to SmartTalk at WITF.org. You can leave a question or a comment on WITF's Facebook page, and on Twitter, we are at SmartTalkWITF. Our guest today, Brian Ryder, president and CEO of the Pennsylvania Retailers Association, Kevin Schreiber, president of the York County Economic Alliance, and Michael Kushner, owner of Omni Realty Group and a commercial real estate analyst. And uh, we have some phone calls, we have some emails coming in, we'll get to those in just a few minutes, so please be patient. Kevin Schreiber, you t- mentioned something very early on in the program about downtowns, and downtowns. Let's face it: when suburbanization occurred, the downtowns were really hit the hardest. Absolutely, I mean, it used to be the downtown areas, the main streets of America, even the smallest towns had uh, the Sears, a J.C. Mm-hmm. Penney, uh, a Woolworth's. You know, all of those those kind of stores. Now you never find a, a store like that in a downtown. But downtowns, some downtowns have made comebacks, the ones that haven't are, we keep using that word, evolved, are the ones that didn't involve, what works in the downtown area?
2: You know, it's funny, too, that you mentioned Woolworth. Every every city in America <laughs> right. and every city in Pennsylvania has a Woolworth building. And the
1: very first one was in uh, Lancaster, yep. five and dime.
2: You yep. know, they're trying to redevelop them. And those are big shoebox buildings. You know, they're a city block long with six windows in the front. So they're a, they're a tricky one. But now, I, I mean, absolutely, it's funny. I have a, a 1968 book in my office called Greater York in Action. It was produced by the Chamber of Commerce. And it it alluded to and foreshadowed Sears moving out to the New York Mall and the building of Route Thirty, and I you know it's one of those. If we knew then what we know now, I don't know if we'd really do anything differently. Um, but it's certainly the writing was on the wall for the downtowns, and, and York's story is similar to all of the others. But. But you are seeing uh, the rebirth of the downtown I mean I think this is I think it's a couple different the confluence of a couple different factors one of which is you know you do have baby boomers that are nostalgically going back to a downtown that is offering some opportunity to come in and experience you know authenticity and you have millennial generation that is moving into into our smaller cities at record pace so Bringing new residents to a downtown has certainly been incredibly helpful, and, and the three cities in the region, Harrisburg, Lancaster, and new York, have certainly emulated that, that strategy, and that's brought a whole new a uh, bevy of walking wallets, so to speak, and the, if you uh, study the downtown centers' uh, data, uh, the average downtown resident will spend nine times as much as a downtown commuter. So that's helping uh, bring new, you know, uh, retail options. Uh, and and then the other is just that that authenticity that you talked about, just the experiential that Michael had mentioned. Going down to a first Friday in any one of our cities is an experience, and it's well beyond just shopping. It's it's a family friendly experience to bring the kids down, grab some food, walk around around, you know, enjoy the atmosphere. And I'll just throw some data out because I do think this is impressive. In a five-year span, um, just one block in the city of York, our unit block of West Market from Continental Square to Beaver Street, which had all of the department stores. It had the Woolworth. It had just just to the Bon Ton building, you know, used to be there. in the past couple of years, through the uh, development of a primarily Royal Square development, but a couple other players, we've gone from 279,000 square feet of commercial office space. We've taken it down to 216,000. So we've carved off the back of those buildings because they were big rectangular buildings with a couple windows in front. So we've carved off the rear, put in some surface parking. We basically have re-engineered the storefront space, but we've gone from 45% occupancy or, or 55% vacancy to 10%. Oh. So you're seeing, and that's just one block. Now, obviously, we still have our, you know, other other blocks that we're working on. But if you go down to, you know, first Friday or you go down to, to do some uh, shopping in any one of our cities, you have those authentic boutique independent options now. And I think it's, it, again, I think it just speaks to the evolution of consumer interest and consumer demand that the big box stores, the big retailers, you know, have any number of convenient options online to, to purchase uh, whatever product it may be. If you want that experience and that, that nostalgic feeling of going to a downtown, there's any number of options now in uh, our cities.
1: Two things, uh, two of the biggest reasons for uh, suburbanization and uh, for many customers going to shopping malls, parking was one, yep. that uh, malls were more convenient for parking. didn't have to pay for it. You didn't have to look for a parking spot too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also safety, that there were some people, and even today you will have some people say, I won't go into those downtown areas because crime is is a problem. How do you uh, address those things?
2: I think it's been generational uh, in large part. I mean, you know, there's there's any number of tiny solutions that any city can make to make it more convenient. But still, you're you're still dealing with the built environment. You're not going to you know you're not going to get rid of parking meters or parking garages you know any any time soon But I think it's the fact that when there is more invitation to come down, uh, plus you're dealing with a generation that grew up in the suburbs and wants to eschew everything that they learned from their parents growing up in the suburbs and going to shopping malls, and now they have the option to go downtown. And, you know, one of the greatest public safety elements that any city can bring to the table is feet on the street. So the more feet that are out and about walking around having fun and enjoying an an evening, um, the more safer the environment is. So I think... You know, in many ways, it's generational, and you—you know—the millennials are driving it in that they—they they want the urban experience, they want the walkability. Um, York City just put in a bike sharing program, so you now have folks that are just grabbing a bike and going. And I think that you have the baby boomers who are nostalgic for for that period that they grew up.
1: Let me, Brian. Let me ask you this: uh, You know. Uh, Kevin mentioned baby boomers. Uh, used to be, and I've been in radio for over 30 years. When we talk about advertising, we talk about uh, the target audience or uh, the target customers out there. Used to be baby boomers because we were the ones that had the money. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, <laughs> uh, we're getting older, and those millennials, Gen X. Uh, that Gen, who are retailers going after today?
3: Well it, I it, mean it, it depends on the question, product yeah. Yes it it Kevin's correct. It depends upon the merchandise that, that you're selling and who your your prospective target market is. If you're a department store, you're targeting you're targeting baby boomers, you're you're targeting millennials. If you're a specialty store, especially you know, selling higher end merchandise whether it's jewelry, you're selling bicycles, skis, you're, you're you're specifically looking at that income level, whether you're a millennial or you're a baby boomer. I mean, so, and that's what I had mentioned earlier that the retailers that are continuing to be successful and be competitive are those who have altered their advertising and merchandising because you really have to because. As you had said, Scott, you're not just going after baby boomers anymore, because I, unfortunately, am in that age group myself now. But <laughs> you know, y- you're going after a lot of different markets out there. I'm still wondering whether I'm a walking wallet, as Kevin referred. It <laughs> 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 might be a rather callous uh, metaphor. <laughs> All right. but, you, but, but, Scott, to, to add on that, if I may, you're also looking at you – know, you have Americans and Pennsylvanians – that are living longer and continuing to shop. Now, my 86-year-old mother still loves to shop at Boscov's. I think (laughs) there
2: is always going to be a place in in America for the larger retailers, but as noted by Brian, they're all going to have to evolve and catch up to consumer convenience. I think the added bonus now is that, you know, for the folks that do want the specialty or the authenticity, there's now the downtown option. I just read an article over the weekend that more shopping malls are using some of that that space that's been more tricky they're starting to uh, develop apartment units within the mm. within the shopping mall senior housing within the shopping malls so I think you're gonna s- see the evolution of the shopping mall too yeah. y- you yeah. know
1: Michael something yeah. that I find a, a little bit ironic I mean it's great but uh, that so many uh, shopping centers now or even malls that are being designed to look like to main look streets. like cities right? yeah. Yeah. they are yeah. and
4: um, you know Kevin hit on a great point I mean th- the buzzwords in our industry are, are live work play mm-hmm. and you're finding a lot of down towns and maybe even the evolution of some of these suburban shopping centers or even um, office parks mm-hmm. are going to have to c- come up to speed and combine different elements there where mm-hmm. you're going to have retail where you'll have mixed some uses mixed right? use housing and uh, you know places and office
3: mm-hmm. and, and all mixed uses draws in more traffic to mm-hmm. the retail stores. Right. Let's take. uh,
1: I'm going to talk to John Shuba, who's co-owner of uh, a music store in Lancaster called Angry Young and Poor. John, (laughs) welcome to the program. morning. Uh, Thanks for holding on for so long, by the way. You've got to hear our conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, the name of your store, Angry, Young, and Poor. Where did that come (laughs) from?
5: Uh, My business partner's brother had that written on his Chuck Taylors back in the 80s, (laughs) and uh, the phrase always kind of stuck with us. So uh, when we decided to open, we kicked around a bunch of names, and that one kind of kept jumping out as from the page, and uh, so that's what we went with.
1: So, the, and you know, when we're talking about nostalgia and things that have lasted, Chuck Taylor's have lasted pretty well. Sneakers over over the years as well. So, uh, I would, you know, back in the day, and I don't know when that was, but back in the day, you would be described as a record shop. What are you today?
6: Well, we are
5: still a record store. We, we opened as a, a brick-and-mortar record store um, in downtown Lancaster back in 95, um, and that was pretty much before there was a lot of on to- online shopping. Um, a few years after that, we, we started doing mail order through, um, through print catalogs that we made, and then shortly after that was the, the e-commerce explosion, and we kind of um, hopped on that wave. Um, But we're still a record store, primarily record and clothing, um, and we specialize in uh, punk rock music and, uh, you know, heavy metal and things like that.
1: So, from what you've just described, I mean, mail order, I don't know, that was something that uh, that kind of went pretty quickly. We didn't know about it real well, but you went from, you know, just retail or brick and mortar to to, uh, mail order and now online. So, what are the changes you've seen in your customers over the years?
5: Well, uh, as far as the actual customers, I, I, I still think our target audiences are pretty much the same. I mean, when we first started, we were targeting like young people that were into punk rock, and as the business has aged, um, a, a lot of the customers that we had back then are now, you know, older like myself, and but yet they still like punk rock. So we still have those people, but yet there's always a new generation of kids coming up who are you know, who are looking to rebel through music and fashion, and uh, they need, you know, they they need a place to go, so we hopefully are able to provide that for them.
1: When you say that you do offer online now, what percentage of your customers are in-store, and what percentage are online?
5: We are actually about 90 to 95% online mail order. Really? five 5% five in-store retail, yes.
1: Does that surprise you? It's that high?
5: Uh no, not at all. When we first started doing mail order even with uh back with catalogs, like oh, we're a pretty specific business, like m- the majority of people walking down the street would not come into our store and find something that that they want. We you know, we we have a pretty specific target audience and uh I guess what we found out pretty quickly is that most small towns around the country You know, there are are still people looking for punk rock music and clothing, but they don't have their own little independent punk rock store, so they needed to, you know, find it somewhere else, either through catalogs or certainly once uh, e-commerce kind of um, came into being.
1: Well, we've been talking a little bit about nostalgia here. Uh, Something that has made a comeback, and I know that this is a little bit off track, but just to show how things are cyclical, is understand you're selling a lot more vinyl today than, than CDs.
5: Yes, uh, certainly. Well, yeah, we actually stopped the uh, stocking CDs just because we couldn't compete with uh, the prices that uh, the, you know, big box stores like Best Buy and things like that were offering. Uh, but yeah, vinyl is, uh, has made a comeback. I mean, I think, uh, as has been mentioned several times, going to a record store and flipping through bins of records, it's, it's very it's an experiential kind of thing, and it's a very you know, tangible kind of thing that if, you know, if you're into records and music, it's, I don't know, it it feels good to flip through records and see records that you either already have or bands that you've heard of or bands that you haven't heard of. And it's it's a very real thing that can't... Be recreated online
1: yeah I, I i you know i as someone who's done it many many times <laughs> uh I, I i you're bringing back some memories that's for sure a hey, john shuba co-owner angry young and poor in lancaster thank you very much for joining us today
2: you're welcome. All
1: right, we're going to take some phone calls in uh, just a moment. But you hear uh, John's story. What do you think, Kevin?
2: That's awesome. Uh, well, I mean, congratulations to him. And to be at 90% or 95% online is just impressive. But I, that doesn't surprise me because, again, those are the types of stores that are uh, finding a niche audience. But the, the niche audience does exist, and it exists here in Central PA. Well,
1: and that's one of the reasons I brought that up is because it is a niche audience, and it is a specialty store. Mm-hmm. It's just what you were talking about earlier. It depends on who your customers are, as to you know how you evolve and 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 how you're marketing your product uh, to to your shoppers out there. We got a lot of phone calls, so let's uh, get to the let's get to the phone right now. Marie is in Lancaster. Marie, thanks for holding on. Good morning, Scott. Good Morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can.
7: Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say I. As a central Pennsylvania resident, I deeply appreciate your show. The information that I gain is just uh, so necessary. Well, thank you very Um, much. uh, Earlier, they talked about Rockvale. And um, I wanted to mention, just as an aside, that right up the road, less than a mile, Tanger Outlet is opening up. 60 more stores And uh, traveling around Lancaster We have five major Construction, that's not even Counting the Tanger Outlet, but Roars Town Road, Fruitville Pike Harrisburg Pike for Wegmans Willow Valley And as I said, Tanger, which Makes it a traffic Driving around nightmare (laughs) As far (laughs) as trying to get Through all that, and my question Is, can Lancaster Support all of these new stores. That's... My friends and I, when we get together, my social groups, that's the thing we're, we're wondering about. Can we support all of this uh, retail that's coming up and, in our community? And like the biggest one I think we, we're concerned about is the traffic on Fruitville Pike is looking to be a nightmare when all that mm. stuff.
1: Hey, Marie, thank all you right. very much for your call. She brings up several good points there. When one closes... Well, with Rockville, we're not talking about closing, but we're talking about, you know, maybe some some vacant storefronts, but there's an opportunity that Tanger is 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 taking up. So there are opportunities when one's not doing as well. There are opportunities for others to do as well. But she brought up, you know, some of the the questions that people think about traffic for one and uh, the uh, the other thing kind of the question I asked earlier about when is enough enough?
4: When is it too much? Well, um, we did talk a little bit about population growth, and um, Lancaster County is up there also. We we mentioned Cumberland County. I think the uh, Lancaster County is growing at about 2.7% in population growth. They also have a tremendous influx of tourists. So I think a lot of that is fueling the retail growth in those areas. Mm -hmm. And when you start to look at the statistics, they may have been a little under retailed when you look at population per square foot compared maybe with York and... Oh,
1: I, I, I'll tell you this just yeah. as an aside. I've heard many people from yeah. Lancaster County over the years say, why does your County have so many of these... Talking about the Route 30 yeah. corridor, for example, have so many of these national uh, brands that Lancaster County doesn't have. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she also mentioned Wegmans. That is a huge thing for, for Lancaster County. When you talk about a specialty store, a store that has done well, has a great word of mouth... Uh, Experiential. Exactly. Uh, that it's like everyone wants a, a Wegmans. Lancaster County's getting one, and like they're counting down the days until right. it's open.
4: The other thing is Lancaster's become um, a bedroom community to Philadelphia. Absolutely. So you'll find a lot of people that just track. jump on that train, right. and you're at work in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're talking about retail businesses here in central Pennsylvania. 1 800 729 7532 is the number to call or send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. Alan is in Camp Hill. Alan, you're on the air.
8: Good morning. Hello, hello, Scott. Can you hear me? Yes, I
1: can. You're right. Thank you very much for
4: calling in.
8: Sure. I'm driving along to Philly. I just wanted to chime in. Great show. Thank love you. love the topic. I'm always you know, a retail nut. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to point out two things. One, uh, Amazon, you know, for all this gushing over Amazon, I mean, that, I mean, that they're great, but they they don't make anything. They're just a distributor, like everyone else, and should be wide open to, to competitive pressure too. If uh, you know, if and when the other other operators get their act together. And second, I just wanted to point out that uh, more and more people are overweight these days. Frankly, I just read somewhere that a third of the entire world is overweight. And I think this is a huge opportunity for malls and retailers to present a more energy activity oriented message to get people out and about and away from their computers and out to you know out, out into society
1: okay thank you very much for your call there's an angle of it that mm-hmm. uh you know there, when you talk about walkability uh there are many people who think about uh okay i mean i've even gone as far as uh parking uh, way out at the mall right. and uh walking in my wife complains every time okay. there are five spots between here and the door <laughs> why did you park there Good sleep,
3: Ryan. Uh, Scott, it's interesting what what your what your last caller had mentioned that if you if you can recall back to the late '80s, early '90s, malls would open earlier before the store fronts would, right. because you had mall walkers. People that were interested in physical fitness. So I think it's very interesting that that your that your previous caller had mentioned that, and I think that you m- you may have some malls that may be more interested in generating traffic in there if they if they went back to doing those things.
4: Well, <laughs> and you talk about the um, you know the silver sneakers. I think is the group that would walk Walking the mall. Yeah. Silver yep. sneakers. But what yeah, you yeah. how you're seeing that evolve to today's people or uh-huh. today's generation is the yoga classes so Mm -hmm. you'll have people um at at some of these outdoor spaces at uh power centers or specialty centers and athleta or uh lululemon will do a yoga class right there at at their store or outside their store
1: yeah just uh, on the other side of that uh, not that everyone who drinks beer is out of shape, but uh, some of us are. Uh, <laughs> but, Kevin, what you had mentioned earlier, I had uh, uh, someone on uh, the program a few months ago uh, that represented downtowns and mm-hmm. said that the, 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 you know the, the silver bullet nowadays for downtowns is craft beer. Absolutely. That, and now that goes into... Uh, restaurants and uh, you know all the other things as well but still that that's one of the reasons that will bring young people downtown
2: we just uh, had a presentation in York a couple weeks back on the economics of beer and it really is and has become an economic engine particularly for our small downtowns and it's interesting again to see several tap houses and, and the like opening up and not focused on the kitchen. You know, they're, they're saving the $150,000 in commercial kitchen equipment and just going very low overhead, just beer, finger foods. And if you want to order, here's a menu from someone else locally that'll walk it over to you. And again, that's all part of it. I think the next chapter, the next horizon to look towards is distilleries um, with the liquor modernization that occurred a few years ago. Uh, now distilleries will, will start creeping up throughout throughout Pennsylvania.
1: All right. So Amazon, the Canary and the coal mine, as you said, uh, is food when Amazon goes to craft beer, delivering craft beer, then you got a problem. (laughs) Some emails here, um, new shopping centers going in are not adding new retail stores as much as they're cannibalizing existing retail sites, leaving entire shopping centers empty. Uh, Talk about the shops at Belmont, uh, will be mostly filled by existing stores are moving there from older shopping centers, and the Kmart just down the road recently closed, leaving its shopper center without an anchor store. The big loser in all of this is farmland and open space. Now. That is, uh, you know, there are competing uh-huh. interests there that, you know, at the same time the people want a place to shop, at the same time, they want open spaces, too, and don't want to eat up, eat up too much farmland. Kevin Shriver, you were in the legislature couple issues you have to deal with all the time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Pennsylvania is a pretty fragmented state from a local government perspective, 2,600 local governments. You know, in York County, we have 72. So we do not have good uh, overarching zoning or overarching open space preservation. And it really falls to that local community. And that falls to local engagement. You know, in York County, we have a great Farm and Natural Lands Trust that works to uh, preserve open space I know Lancaster does as well um, but that's going to constantly be that dichotomy um, you know th- how to suit competition and you know it's uh, it kind of goes back to the local control in our DNA in Pennsylvania so
1: when we were talking earlier about the research that goes into uh, building a shopping center bringing a store to an area, uh, is this something that you do have to ask when you do go before the, those local
2: mm-hmm. zoning, uh, you, know, zoning
1: and- uh, you know, township supervisors, that kind of thing, that they have to look at? I mean, like a lot of times, let's face it, they're thinking about taxes that yep. are coming into uh, a local municipality, but at the same time, they have to be thinking about land use as well.
4: Well, Scott, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, and so did Kevin. I mean, the fact that we're so fragmented here creates a lot of inefficiencies in our local governments. And you're already starting to see them combine services, whether it be police or other types of fire uh, services, because they can't afford to have independent police departments and fire departments. So taxes are a huge issue, and um, development generates taxes. I mean, that that's the bottom line. So... There's, there's definitely a dichotomy there. There's, there's definitely a balance.
3: And, Scott, you, you, you have to weigh that as a local elected municipal official, which I was for almost 12 years. And yes, you, know, you want that additional commercial tax base that's coming in to help offset your residential property owners who, who are paying school taxes. But as one of your previous callers had mentioned, you know, you have to look at the traffic flow problems, the safety problems that may be created possibly by increased traffic flow. And there's a lot of things that local elected officials have to take into account.
1: One of the things that's really changed over the last 30 years is it used to be that when a store, a mall, a business opened, that, you know, the infrastructure was there when I'm I'm thinking mostly about roads and that kind of thing, that uh, that's the way it was. Nowadays, that's almost built into the plan that if you're going to put this uh, this mall here or this store here, you're going to pay to open up another lane of the highway or put some lights in or something like that to help with that, that infrastructure. Let's uh, take another phone call from Diego in Harrisburg. Diego, you're on the air.
6: Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my comment probably relates to uh, the mentioned
1: Go Go ahead.
6: Um, my comment partly relates to um, the ways that brick-and-mortar stores can adapt in the, in the online era. Okay. And one of the ideas, I actually heard it from a different NPR uh, show, article, is um, basically slimming down on space and creating, for example, clothing stores um, could be preserved as uh, physical spaces to try on clothes, and then have a, a place in the physical stores to purchase them online once you've tried them on. Uh, that way, because uh, at least from my, young, I'm, I'm from my perspective, um, brick stores that don't serve niche goods um, have seen fail because of what you said, the Walmart Giants and the other big stores can take over that load. So I find a niche goods or um, in the case I've mentioned with clothing, a specific approach to an existing idea uh, with the integration of online um, can
1: probably uh, help uh, ok thank okay. you very much for your call Brian you know what he's talking about even some of the, those bigger iconic stores if you walk through them they do have niche areas uh, I mean I, I think of some that have cosmetic areas some that have certain type of clothing not just men's clothing women's clothing but even broken down a little bit more
3: Oh, a- absolutely. And you, you look at some of the retailers that ha- you know, continue to be successful, some who continue to struggle, but they do have those multiple lines, those niche lines, and that is, that is what still draws shoppers into the bricks-and-mortar stores. Like, okay, I, I, can, I, can get, I can buy a T-shirt. I can buy a dress shirt. I can buy a tie. I can go over and I can buy something for the kitchen or I can go buy an appliance. I mean, that is still what so many shoppers are looking for and demanding, which is why the majority of bricks and mortar stores will continue to exist. What about customer service?
1: I mean, there are people who they will go to a brick and mortar store because they want someone there who knows the product and can talk to them about it. Now, on the other hand, there are those that are kind of aggressive, like, okay, don't you know
3: knock me over as soon as I walk in the door but what about customer service and what role does that play? Well customer service plays a large role especially when you're going into a specialty store I I think Home Depot and Lowe's do an outstanding job at customer service especially somebody like me that wants to (laughs) go and knows what they need but doesn't know much about the item or or merchandise they're looking for and have an educated sales associate there to help. A lot of department stores are still that way let me just add about Home Depot and
1: Lowe's. Those are two stores that are doing very well. Part of the reason is you're not going to see people buying lumber, for the most part, doing it online. <laughs> Let's take a, another phone call from David in Duncan. David, you're on the air.
9: Yeah, uh, I've been an online online shopper since 1998. I started out buying specialty items that I knew I could not find in the area. But over time, the stores have become more and more, I'd say, homogenized, and it's hard to find even regular items. Uh, I was in a Home Depot and looking for just a basic plunger to clean out a drain. They had all these gadgets attached to them, the prices were way too high. I ended up in an Amish hardware and bought it for four dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> but the point I'm making is that, The point I'm making is this it's a selection has gone down in the stores and people online are don't have time to go to six different stores to look for an item not to mention the expense of it it costs you 50 cents to a dollar a mile to drive and people work several jobs and they don't have time to visit multiple places I have attempted over the years to shop locally and I do try but if, if I can't find anything in two or three tries I go to the internet. Mm. That's
1: it. Hey, David, thank you very much for your call. And uh, obviously, uh, that's You know, I don't know if he's typical nowadays, but the convenience you talked about, he likes the convenience of shopping online. Gentlemen, we're almost out of time. I want to thank you very much for being with us today. Kevin Schreiber, I want to give you an opportunity, like 30 seconds, you have a big event coming up, Rise of the Rest, and we're going to be talking with a couple of your special guests on our show.
2: Yes, yeah, uh, to credit Lancaster, Harrisburg, and York, we put in uh, an application for a designation regionally um, to Rise of the Rest, which is a national initiative by Steve Case, who is the founder of AOL and is now an iconic investor, and uh, he uh, and his uh, Revolution Foundation out of D.C. are basically spotlighting. They do a five-city bus tour in five days. Uh, this is the sixth year. They uh, did designate Central Pennsylvania as one of the Rise of the Rest communities. Basically, in a nutshell, he's saying that because uh, technology is so seamlessly integrated into our life, that innovation can occur everywhere, and it doesn't have to be localized in Silicon Valley, New York, or outside Harvard. And uh, we can be proud that Central Pennsylvania is on the list.
1: Yeah, and uh, J.D. Vance and J.D. Vance, uh, yeah, author of yeah, Hillbilly Elegy, still on the bestseller list. And we'll be talking <laughs> both of them before the event. But which we'll, is so October we'll 10th? Talk, and we'll talk more about the event too. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. You're thank welcome. You. And thank you, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Coming up on Uh, tomorrow's program. Let's see, we're going to be talking with, uh, uh, looking at legislation with allow teachers to carry guns in the classroom.
0: Smart Talk is produced by WITF as part of our mission to deliver relevant, high-quality programming. Support for this program comes from Capital Blue Cross, which shares WITF's commitment to being a valuable and trusted resource for the communities we serve. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by Pinnacle Health, committed to research that improves health, reduces recovery times, and brings new treatments and therapies to our area before they are available elsewhere. More information is at PinnacleHealth.org.